from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. like to welcome back friend of the podcast, Brian Sabo, Eastwood High School in Northwest Ohio, uh, a man that wears many hats, um, strength and conditioning coach, uh, track and field. You know, he, he's had his hand in a very successful uh, athletic program and a multitude of sports. And most notably, uh, coach, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, your main thing would be like the track and field area and you've been involved in Eastwood for like 20 plus years yeah. I kid you not folks that they've won like I think they're in like the 90 percentile for win win like league championships boys and girls at Eastwood during your time there is that right coach uh yes I think in my time here um the boys have lost we've been second twice and the girls have been second twice in 25 years Yes. Um, so yeah. I mean, so so to our listeners, we got one of the best. Like this is this is mindset. This is strength and conditioning. This is a combination. One of the best minds and and coaches in the whole state of Ohio. I mean, you can put them up there, book it. And uh, so we've had coach on probably a year and a half ago, talk about a, a couple of different subjects. But you know, on this one, really combining the mental and the physical. And how can we start to get the most out of our athletes uh, when we start to combine, you know, the, the mindset and some of the physical and the training and, and even starting to combine that with some of the exercises that we do and even chatting beforehand, coach, like some really interesting stuff. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast, man. This is fun. It's been fun already. We just hit record. I, I love it. I think, I think last time we uh, you had to stop and said, all right, like we need to uh, make this into a second segment. Part two. <laughs> we, we just we just kept going and probably could have went another hour. Mm-hmm. Um, just again, you're just such a great human being that I, I just enjoy the conversation in general. Um, and honestly, every, every time you do something like this, it makes you better as a coach, too. Yeah. I, think, I think that's why I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to start off with the mindset of athletes and really picking your brain on how, you know, we as coaches can help our players more, uh, do a better job uh, coaching individuals and teams as far as being able to to build, you know, you hear growth mindset, you hear fixed mindset a lot. Um, first off, when you hear growth mindset, you know, what comes to mind? Um, you have to give them the freedom to fail. Um instead of looking at the end result, it is okay that they did something you asked them to do and you have to be okay with that if the end result wasn't exactly what you wanted. Um, You have to give them the freedom to fail in a growth mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually learned that probably in 2011, 2012. I think it was my second year of coaching. My my first year as a head coach uh, in track, we scored the lowest we had ever scored, like at the state meet. Um, but I remember saying I I loved the relationship I built with that group and, and what we did. So the next year, we kind of dove into the kids more. And I told them I focused solely on effort, like whether it was in meets 
or this and that and gave them the freedom to fail by maybe chasing something or we'll fix it later or hey you're running the 800 i only care about the first 600 i don't care what the 800 is because we want something for later you have to be willing to accept that um knowing that there's something greater at the end that growth later at the end that you want to see um and giving them the freedom to fail and just focus on the effort man that we saw some things I, di- I didn't think we'd see that year um it's been much more freeing for honestly the kids and the coach yeah i stress less about winning if you really focus on the things that will get you better to eventually win mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just fail comes to mind it's so you know it's so funny so the the most recent kramer basketball shirt that i designed it says failure and then it has a greater sign and then it says regret on the oh. other yeah I got it written uh, down right here for my notes from what you said earlier. Regret is worse than failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and it's just like, you're right. It's a freeing feeling when uh, yourself, you can get parents to to buy into that. Hopefully Uh, certainly the players to get to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go all out there, give it everything that I have. And it's funny when you get to that point, how usually winning is, uh, there's a little higher likelihood that you are going to find success as far as the scoreboard and things like that go uh, because of the mind shift of not being able to focus on that specific uh, result, which is, which is huge. How do you get players to develop that? I mean, I, maybe some athletes have it a little more naturally than others. I don't know. I mean, this goes back to you know, nature and nurture and stuff that probably is beyond your and I's pay grade, but how do you, how have you seen kids mature or develop and shift into more of that growth mindset as you've co- been coaching athletes for decades now? I, I think, first of all, you have to model it. Um, if it does, if you're wanting a growth mindset, if what you said you wanted to see out of a certain practice or game or this and that, and they accomplished it, but the end result wasn't great, you can't all of a sudden jump them about the end result if they did exactly what you asked them to in the growth mindset. So otherwise they'll kind of see through you uh, as a coach. Um, I've always said this too, in a growth mindset though, effort deserves to be yelled at. So if you're in basketball and something happened and it was effort based, it always deserves to either be yelled at or, um, or you're trying to reach their potential. They're not giving as much as you think they can give. Um, The freedom to fail is again, uh, maybe you want to see them, shoot it more. Uh, maybe you want to see them do certain skills more to help the team. Um, and knowing, I guess this would be the key. If it didn't go well, they're not immediately getting taken out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause then also you're not necessarily who you say you are, or if you're pulling them out, it's a quick, correct. And they're going right back in. Um, or maybe they can come out and they can tell you already the correction great. Hey, you're going to go back in at such and such a time where we just needed to give you a break anyways, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if, if, if they're always looking at the sideline that I'm probably coming out right away, you're not really giving them the freedom to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's important. Um, the second would be if you are, if you have an app, know your athletes, if you have a perfectionist failure is scared, it scares them to death. Right. Um, you have to challenge them um, knowing that they won't get better unless they have some sort of failure or they're not reaching their 
athletic potential if they're not failing. They're not taking risks. They're not, they're not, maybe they're not as coachable either. Like, I want you to try to do this and you're not quite going there because you're afraid to fail. Are you really coachable? Um, so perfectionists have a really difficult time with this. I know we had an athlete who was really good here uh, a couple of years ago, but I knew because my wife had him in class that when he did some sort of essay, it was thorough and it was, it had to be, everything had to be right. Well, sometimes that's how he played on the basketball court and he was afraid to really go in there and do the things he definitely knows he's capable of and the coach needs him to, but he was, a, I think, somewhat afraid to fail or maybe looking bad. Um, and that team needed him to, cause he was really kind of the, the best athlete on the team, but he was also a perfectionist. So it's hard. Like as a coach, you gotta be, you gotta really get through to those kids, um, to let them know that, that, you, that you're not reaching your potential if we don't fail. What are, uh, self-talk is big, right. And, and so yeah. being able to communicate this to different players, as you mentioned, perfectionist being a, a great example. Um, certain players, I think we talked about this on the last podcast of, uh, and I was saying, you know, if it was practice or something, I was somebody like, hey, I'm going to practice really hard. But there's also like, hey, it's game time. It's warm up. I want to look cool. Right. And th there's a little bit of like um, the perfectionist in that area that you got to be able to shed yourself of if you really want to become the best that you can be. Um, negative self-talk is another one that the players trip up with. Uh, have you seen, heard that? Uh, among your players and then as a coach you know what are some of the suggestions you have for our listeners who are you know coaching players on their team who may be a little too hard on themselves and have some negative self-talk themselves I uh, I see it more in girls than I do in boys um, they're very hard on themselves uh, building them up is is I see this more in in, in girls who do they just um, and I've always seen it through the weight room getting them to try to fail, like we'll purposely do things in a way or make them chase something knowing they might fail. Now we're to the point, and if you practice this more and you are who you say you are, as far as like, you're not going to rip them because they necessarily failed, um, you'll get more out of them and they'll build that confidence. Um, how you talk to yourself is so important. It's everything, um, isn't it? What do you say in that moment? And, and, and like you can talk. So just recently I was watching the, the, we were watching the world championships. All right. And four by four and a meter relay, right? Like these are professionals. They've done a four by four thousands and thousands of time. But at this level, they know you're not supposed to run out of the zone when you hand off a baton. They did. Right. You see it at the professional level, how they talk themselves in those moments. So it doesn't matter what level you are. I think that's one thing we have to try to teach. Um, but it goes back to really some of the books that you and I talked about, I think last time there's a lot of great videos out there. There are ways that you can get kids to learn how uh, to talk to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to be okay. First of all, they have to know that failure is a reality, right? You can accept that failure is a reality. Like you just said, you'll be, you'll regret way more how you thought before that failure than you will the actual failure. Um, and if you can <clears throat> make that the key for them, um, I, I think that helps. Um, 
again, perfectionists are always thinking, I have to be perfect. I have to be per- perfect. That's negative self-talk. Um, they have to learn to be more positive about themselves. Now, um, my good friend, Nathan Howard, he's a teacher, long time ago taught me probably the best definition of humility. I always thought being humble was just, you always deflected credit. Um, he described it being just really, really confident in some things. And if you're really confident in your sport or what you're about to do, there's nothing wrong with being confident, knowing that you're still shooting for growth and also knowing that failure is a, is a possible option in that. Um, if that's who you are and you, and you failed again, why did you fail? Was it how I talked to myself or was it something in my technique physically? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then how do I get better from that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think if, if that, sorry to interrupt coach, go ahead. No, if, if we all had the answer to the negative self-talk, we'd be pretty rich as well. That's why you see a lot of self-help books on there and people are talking about it all the time. Yep. Yep. There's no, no doubt about that. Yeah. I think that you, know, you talked about humility and, and um, it's, it's interesting because some of the best coaches that I've been around have also been the most humble. Uh, and I think, I think of myself and my growth as a, as a coach and what that has looked like. The more confident I become in my skills the more humble I become as well. Why? Because I, every day I have a better understanding of what I know and hopefully a better understanding of what I don't know. And in the beginning, when I knew way, way less, I was less humble probably because I was maybe a little more of like a defensive. Like I was a little like, I'm uneasy about my kind of place as a coach. And can I really do this? Can I, can I really you know, help these players as much as I, I think I can. I, I believe I can. Am, am I there yet? And kind of going through the process of growth um, has made me more confident, more humble. And and this is this isn't like you've arrived. This is just like a a, a scale of one to a hundred. Where am I along the scale? Right. It's never like I'm there. And, and if you feel like you're there, you're already coming back down at some point. It's just this constant. Hey, today, you know, maybe I'm a seventy. Right. I'm going to be a 71 tomorrow. I hope, you know, whatever uh, that might look like, but that's a really good point. Um, what what are some suggestions that you have for uh, kids that have negative self-talk? And like, I have, I have a couple of words written down that, it, you know, I recommend. Um, wow. That, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so shoot me your words and then let's go from there. So this goes back a little bit to the growth mindset, but I want to praise when I do see what it is that we're after. And it's not necessarily the result, right? But if I, if I have a player who's struggling with negative self-talk, they're not going to be that 100% of our practice. There's going to be a time where the, the switch is flipped and maybe it's just a, a single rep right? Or a set of something that maybe they're a little more confident in. And they just all of a sudden for that set, you look at them, you say, that was 100% you. That was your true self, right? I want to be able to see it, point it out and let them know right. of that. That's right. that's the the Brian Sable that yeah. that you are, that we right. need, right? right? That's that's the, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's like, ask them like, where, where are you at? Like you just 
rattled off three straight threes going up and down. You got two defensive stops. Like, what are you thinking during that time? And probably the most part, there's like, oh, I wasn't really thinking. Exactly. Right. Right. And you know what? Throughout that thing, like there were some mistakes there. Right. You didn't help on defense. You probably could have had that one rebound. But you know what? You stayed within yourself. You didn't talk to yourself negatively. That allowed you to be successful on the next play. And yeah, I think for us to be able to really like just look for opportunities where we see what we want to see and then praise, praise, praise it. And then when like uh, I'm thinking of one kid that I trained this past spring who had terrible body language and he had some negative self-talk too. Right. Okay. And so uh, there were times where it was like one bad body language. We talked about, listen, what's bad body language look like? Is it what you're doing right now? Right. Your slump shoulders, your head's down, right. You're, you're muttering something negative to yourself. Like, that's poor body language, right? What does good body language look like, right? And so you're, you're, one, I'm trying to model it as you talked about before. Two, we're pointing out, you know, what is negative self-talk, bad body language, bad posture? What, is the, what do those things look like? And then if they do talk negatively to themselves, like adding yet to it, like if a kid says, I can't do something, well, you can't do it yet. Like you're That's right. I love that. You don't have the ability to perform this thing that we're working on, but you will if you keep working on it. That's why we're working on it. That's why you came to see me. That's why you came to train and put in the time, right? Because there's things that you're not physically able to do yet. If you keep working hard, you will be able to do them later, right? So this is not about beating yourself up, right? It's about just have have a, a little humility as well, right? Understand that this is a, this is a process. If we continue to put in the time, uh, we're going to get there. You know, you came here because you like basketball and you want to get better, right? Yep. Okay. Well, let's roll. Let, let, let's go. This is what we're we're about. But to go back to the growth mindset and how I think these kind of come together is like, if somebody does something well, instead of saying, you're great, instead of saying, uh, you're so smart, if somebody gets an A on a test, like some of these blatant words that I'm not saying they're wrong. And I catch myself saying them all the time. But instead, what if we said, Brian, you're so disciplined or Brian, that must have taken you so much time, right? Because now we're, now those kids are starting to think about, boy, if I put in more work, right? If, if, if I work hard over an extended period of time, I'm going to go up. Oh, okay. Well, that, that makes sense. You're so persistent. What? that took a lot of consistency to be able to do what you just did, right? Praising positive attitude is, is another one, right? Being able to praise growth. Maybe they're not what they're beating themselves up, but to be able to point out to a kid, you know, and, and I've, I've literally, I've flipped kids in a 20 second conversation where they're a little down on themselves at our workout and I'll have them reflect. I'll be like, Brian, you realize you're getting better, right? Think back to four weeks ago when we started doing this, one of these same drills that we did today. Remember how that went? And they're kind of laughing at themselves like, oh, it's like, so we're not where we're going to be and where we want to be. But think about where we were. Like we are 
getting better. And then all of a sudden you just see the look in their eyes change, posture change a little bit and be like, oh yeah, I guess like, you know, and that gives them some little more encouragement. So I just think like the growth mindset and the negative self-talk, like these are all things that are very closely related to, to one another. And the more we can point it out, model it and maybe use just a little bit of different words here and there can go a really long way. So I used to have, and I'm hopefully going to have it again at some other time here soon, a leadership class. And one thing we always discussed, no one talks to yourself throughout the day more than you. Right. Like I, I can't remember the amount of times. I mean, it, it's, it was unbelievable that, that you actually have a conversation with yourself. Um, most thoughts are negative. It, they are. Um, so again, so what you just told that kid, they have to learn to be able to say that exact same thing. I, I was yeah. kind of telling my daughter who now is uh, going to be a freshman at Eastern Michigan pole vaulting. And we went through a, a rough junior year, but like we had to talk about this person here and the person you want to be is the same person talking to one another. Like you have to learn to have this person here be the voice that you're listening to. Um, and, and it's okay. I wrote this down as you were talking. It's okay for that voice to be honest. Like this is like you said with that kid, this is where you're at right now. Great. Now, where do I go to the person or the, 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 the skill or whatever it is that I, that I want to be? That's the talk that you need to connect those two things. Um, there's nothing wrong with being honest. This is where I'm at, or this is what I just did. But where do I want to go? How do I get there? And what positive things or what, what do I need to do um, to get there? Um, and then sometimes I'll ask the kid like, hey, what were you thinking before that? And, and again, if it was negative, did that help you? Like, just be, no. Well, then, okay, wh what am I going to do next time? that's learning, right? Like, how can we fix that um, for next time? Mm -hmm. That's great. I, so I, at a couple camps we did this summer, I mean, we're close to a thousand kids a summer alone. Um, I had a similar talk with a couple groups that I felt like they weren't as locked in effort-wise, mentality-wise that I want. I bring them in and it was the, it was the same thing. Like there's two different individuals inside of you. Like, which one are you going to choose to listen to and and, and become, right? right. And uh, so was, what would a winner do? Like, if you think of a winner, just ask you, when you think of a winner, what are the characteristics that you think, think of? Sometimes I have the kids give me some characteristics. Right. 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 So when you're working out, when you're doing something you want to do, something you don't want to do, something that's really tough, what would a winner do? How would a winner go throughout this? I'm not just talking into the scoreboard type stuff, right? I'm talking about daily, how you walk, how you talk, right? Uh, how you how you interact with people, eye contact, handshake, right? Going through a warm up, going through the the thing you like best, the thing you like worst. What would a winner do in those situations? And then I'm like, okay, you need to become that person if you want to be your best. Now, none of us are perfect, right? But the more I can remind myself, especially when things are tough, or I'm kind of second guessing, or, you know, like you said, the negative self-talk. Well, what would a winner be thinking right now? I got to become that person. Another, another example. 
there's times during the summer when I'm running camp where I will imagine I'm not Steve Kramer, the owner of Kramer basketball. I just work for him. And if he's up in the rafters taking a peek at this camp that I'm running, what's he going to think? Is the guy running the camp, is he, is he doing a good job? Is he, you know, high energy? Is he, you know, making the most out of the time? All those things. Um, so, so that's just kind of another kind of mental shift, I think, that can help, you know, kids get in the right frame of mind as they're attacking a practice, a game, whatever that might be. So when you were, I wrote this down, right? When you were talking about, you were talking about the one kid, um, maybe he needed to give a little bit more effort, or, um, and I wrote down, if someone was watching you play right now, what would they say about you? So you talked about body language, you talked about this, and, and we have to teach kids to step outside themselves. And if somebody was watching you play right now, or for the first time, what would they say about you? Right? So I remember a long time ago, I, back in like 2014, I said, look, somebody's going to come watch us run or compete today for the first time. What do you want them to say about you when you leave? And if you have that mindset as a growth mindset, that is a winning mindset. That is a um, effort-based, how I handle myself type mindset. And that just, I wrote that down and you just said it, of course, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great minds think alike, coach. Uh, That's right. Let's, uh... I have one more on the, uh, on the kind of growth Mm -hmm. mindset, either of a coach or, or of a kid. So I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, it's, it's a clip actually of Jay Wright. I think he was what Villanova the, the year they were uh, national champs and it's about attitude. It's about four minutes long. Um, and he talks about attitude. And if you really have a growth mindset, cause it was, it was their theme that year, kind of attitude and not letting things bother them emotionally up and down, but like having the right attitude and mindset. And it was right before I think somebody came down and like hit a shot. Um, and they went up and he said, they, they, they come over to the bench and then a couple guys are just clapping and said, attitude coach attitude. And then they went back out and they showed his reaction when the guy hit the game winner. Mm-hmm. And he said, when we broke the huddle, I didn't care what the end result was because mm-hmm. we had already won. That's powerful. And, and, and I, that is a growth mindset. That's of, the ultimate example right there of, you didn't care what the end result was. They they got the big lesson behind it and how they went out. To me, it's like sometimes how you prepare. Hey, I appreciate how you prepare. We, we, we just didn't have a great game or have a great meet or have a great – all right, then we fix it. But how did you prepare? So when they walked out, I mean, he had them prepared. I don't know. I, I thought that was the best example of a coaching – I mean, he was who he said he was. Um you know, if they would have lost, he should have acted the exact same way, roughly. Um, but with his guys, he thought this is exactly what we've preached and talked about. And here we are in the in that moment doing it. That that's a growth mindset. It's a great little small clip for really a coach or a, an athlete. Yeah, I'll have to look. I'll have to YouTube where he talks about talks about that. But I definitely remember the shot. It was uh, to be North Carolina <laughs> the national championship. Yes, uh, yes. Those guys were down, and they like that last possession hit the game winner. There was like no hesitation. It was like just boom, boom, boom. Like it was, yeah. It was it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful finish. And I was glad that they won that game anyway. Um, visualization is another 
important piece to to all this. And you know, so you talk about watching game film. Uh, you talk about just visualizing yourself being successful. You can learn that from watching yourself game film, opponents game film, scouting. Like, there's so many different ways, especially today digitally, that we we can do video uh, and be able to use, access that. Um, what, what have you found uh, effective over your career as far as visualization and or using video with your athletes? Well, I, I love what you said. And, and so every kid's got a phone. Um, if you're doing things on your own, working on skills, video it, right? And these, I think they do a good job of it, but they could do more. Um, video it and how are you improving um, either in, in that drill throughout that time constraint or daily or weekly? Um, are you getting better? I think you use your own video, own phone. Um, I, I think it's crucial. Um, number one, to me, the game slows down or the, the whatever particular thing it is, the, it, it slows down and you become um, better. Um, watching film of yourself, to me, is a major part of the growth mindset. But like I said, it can be a little scary if you're a perfectionist, like you're always picking out the bad things. No, I think you, I think you have to pick out, or, or maybe you said it to yourself, I have to pick out two or three things I did well before I'm allowed to immediately pick out um, something negative. That's, that's okay. That's the humility part. Hey, I'm, I was pretty good at this and this, um, but this can make me a little bit better uh, of a player, uh, of a person. Um, but it also can build confidence. Like you said, you will point out things that they did well, or at times they did what you asked them to. Maybe it just wasn't consistent yet, um, but it's there. All right. That's how you build confidence. I think, I think in players to me, watching film of the other team, is preparation to make the game slower or or build you confidence in oh i've seen this before i have an idea of what might happen um i, I think it's crucial we i also coach middle school football i've done it for like 20 some years all right and in the last i want to say 10 years we've used huddle all right so now we release film our games and every monday we just watched it today we watch film from the previous game um and i told him like we're going to be honest but it's never a negative thing um we show a lot more positives um they can see things from a different point of view or perspective we am a little higher and like oh i see what you mean by i should have went outside and then came down it has been one of the best teaching things we've ever done um i, I can't believe we didn't do it before so much that we really only had about a 30 minute practice after it um we watch film way more than we practice today. We'll practice Tuesday. We'll practice a little bit Wednesday. We have a game on Thursday. It's so such a huge part of our teaching um, that I think it's I think it's really important. So interesting story about the. I mean, you mentioned the, the game film piece, and then the visualization piece, and and they they can really go hand in hand with kind of seeing yourself out there performing, executing, doing some things differently, learning a ton. I want to go back to the visualization one uh, a little bit more. So my senior year of college, let's throw some stats at you right here. So about 50%, maybe a little over 50% or so of our games are on the road, right? Spend out there be some road games that are on neutral court. So my senior year of college, like I averaged 17 points a game, right? And 
the interesting thing was at the end of the season, I was like, huh, like, I'm going to see what my home and away average was. So for road games, I averaged 20. For home games, I averaged 14. And I was thinking about, I was like, why, why am I playing? So like, clear, like that's, that's a lot, six point difference. Yes. Right? Um, I was like, why am I playing? You know, and I was like, well, maybe the other guys on my team are probably playing and they feel more comfortable at home. So I don't have to, you know, like let them kind of do their things. I was the best player on the team. Um, and I'm thinking about different things, but I think one of the biggest reasons this is just my opinion. I mean, we got no, there's no way to know, right. There's too many variables, but on a road trip, if we we're on the bus, I would zone out. I'd put my head like on the front of the seat in front of me. And I would just think about the game mm-hmm. and I would just think about like all the things that might happen in the game and how I would play it out. Right. Um, home games, you kind of have your home routine, but I didn't have like, Oh, you got an hour, two hour bus ride for a big chunk of that. Yeah. I'm just going to be like thinking about the game because I got really nothing else to do. I mean, it's not like we had smartphones back then at that point. So I'm just like, I'm just thinking about the game. Right. right. And, you know, when you're at home games, it was more of like, hey, you know, pregame meal here. Whose house are we going to go? We'll just like hang out, chill for a little while, blah, 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 go to the game here. And like, it was a different routine. Right. It was the same way in high school. My, my road stats were so much better than my home game stats as a high school basketball player. And, you know, just looking back, I think about what I would have been able to do from a visualization, just mental preparation standpoint differently during our home games to give myself more time to myself to just visualize what may happen in the game and how I'm going to have to go and execute and, and do the things that I need to do because um, it, it's, it's like a crazy stuff because I, if you went back and looked at some of my best games in high school, nearly all of them would be on the road. Best, a lot of the best games in college, nearly all of them would be on the road. Um, but I personally credit a lot of it to, you know, the time I spent visualizing what I need to do on the road and, and the lack of time, unfortunately, that I, I didn't spend as much time doing that for home games. So if you're a athlete listening or a coach, but really an athlete, I mean, you just gave them some possible things they can do. Um, you, you need to find your own time at, at home, um, somewhere, either in your school, before you leave, whatever it is that to have that visualization, or what is it, the things that give you uh, strength? Well, what are some things in the away that I can just bring in? It doesn't have to be the whole hour trip, but what are some things I can incorporate, find a, a private time? I don't care if it's in a bathroom stall, um, that it's really quiet and it's you, um, that when you kind of come out, you, you feel like Superman, um, or you have some confidence or you visualized, you know? Um, so again, you now would go back and try to try to recreate at least some small facet of that at home. Um, yeah, but you just gave people really, uh, some ideas, that could help them. The the one thing my college coach did that I thought was really, really good. And I tried to mini kind of do that myself when I was playing overseas, but Homer Way, he'd, he'd bring the guys back into the locker room 
And before he would say anything, it would be like, or to kind of paint the picture, we'd have like scouting report, go over matchups, all that stuff. We'd go and do our main warm up, right? And then you'd come back into the locker room the the second time. Mm-hmm. It'd be more like, hey, you know, we good to go? Any reminders? Oh, who's who's you know somebody else is starting? All the other little little things you got to do before the game, right? Um, but during that time. He'd be like, all right, everybody, close your eyes, put your head down. Nobody's talking. Every game. And I was like, what are we in the beginning, especially like my freshman year? I was like, what are we doing? Like he's not really giving us a, a ton of directions. He's just like, just be to yourself, just you know, relax. And I was like, that was one of the best things I've ever had any coach do. And I loved, like, I loved that quiet time before we we're about to go out and play a game, big game, good team, crappy team, didn't matter. Just being able to, everybody's quiet in the locker room. It's just you and your thoughts, thinking about what you need to do. And it was probably only, I don't know, 30 seconds, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. I think it lets you calm your emotions down, too, a little bit. Um, you can think clearer when you – I think are, are just breathing a little bit more. You probably took a couple of deep breaths immediately puts you in a, what is it? Parasympathetic state versus just that emotional high. You, you just kind of came back and grounded yourself. And it is brilliant. Um, and as you grew older, you probably knew how to utilize it more yeah. Yeah. versus yeah. your freshman year. Like wh- what am I doing? I'm looking around, I'm, you know, <laughs> and that's, I guess where you could have older teammates or you as the older person, like, Hey, I know coach, you know, maybe they did it one time and like the next practice you could talk about, Hey, here's how I use my 30 seconds now versus maybe when I was a freshman or here's how, you know, Hey, I don't necessarily play much. Here's how you use your 30 seconds. You know? Um, yeah. So you as a teammate can kind of help people understand when they're younger, like what am I even using this 30 seconds or a minute for? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, and, and so right there, you're talking a little bit about some of the leadership, that uh, a senior player could play with a, a younger player, underclassman on a team, you know, talk about, you know, captains. I mean, w- yeah. what's your experience with, with choosing captains for, for a team, you know, how much input have coaches or, or teammates give when you're, you know, deciding who's going to be that quote unquote leader or leaders for your squad. Yeah. Um, oh, let me go back. I wrote this note down too. Sorry for film. Um, I think it also when you coaches can show where they need players to be kind of in their roles. Like when you're looking at a film, you're like, Hey, here's where we need you this week. You know what I mean? Um, You're, you're, when you really give value, give a kid the value they have to the team, man, can they, can they just go with that um, with some sort of confidence? Like, so I think sometimes film will allow you to kids to understand what is my role maybe against this team or in this game, or I've also shown video of how I've been successful in that role. So again, I think it's where also film can help build some confidence um, in players as well. Uh, captains. I mean, we've always let the kids vote long time ago. Um, track coach right before I got there, um, Gary White, you say you can't fool kids. All right. So if it's your teammates, you, you, you can't fool your own teammates they know they'll be able to see they they know who they want to follow they know who they look up to they know who's the leader um i think that's 
crucial. I think coaches can have the final say. I think coaches want it to be certain people, and I think that's where they get into trouble sometimes. Hey, I, I need to make this guy captain. He's not ready to lead yet. Um, but there's nothing wrong with telling a person, I see you as a, as a future captain or I see you as a future leader. You know, if you're willing, I want to kind of help you get there versus just making them a captain. Um, a long time ago, I saw Nick Saban speak. This is when he was coach at LSU. And it said senior leadership is the lowest form of leadership, hmm. right? And, and in high school or sometimes college, people think um, they're a leader or should be a leader or a captain simply because um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a senior. Um, and that just means you've just been here the longest or this and that doesn't mean you're a leader at all. Uh, yeah. And I think that was really yeah, valuable good. information um, that some of your leaders – I. I so when we vote for like track captains, they have to be a junior or senior. And the only reason I've kind of made it be that way is simply because they've kind of been in the program long enough. Um, however, sometimes our, some of our freshmen or sophomores, you know, they're going to be captains at some point. They have strong leadership capabilities. They maybe just haven't been in the experience of the program long enough. That's why I think the junior or senior also has it to be a little bit more valuable. Um, but I think, again, kids can be captains or leaders. I, I even feel like a sophomore they could be. Um, but, again, just because you're a senior doesn't mean you're entitled to be a leader. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. 100%. Yeah, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. And I like the the idea of the players choosing, but coaches getting uh, some say in there as well. I mean, that's how, you know, my college team, for example, for example, did it. Like, there was no, no doubt about that. Um, right. Uh, spot on pretty much so and i'm okay if you have some that are close in votes there's there's been times i think i've i've said you know what these these, these two uh, um i'm gonna make sure they're a captain as well because they had just about enough votes and it, and it's paid off dividends like you're like wow i mean they they really took off as, as a leader and a great part of our team um again they built confidence um so again i think so, sometimes um that has been valuable um i've had kids in the past maybe as they were juniors, somewhat upset they weren't captain. Mm. Um, and I remember one kid telling me one other time, so I just watched. I watched what the captains, those that year those captains did, um, saw some of the positive things that they did and why were they captain and then tried to emulate that the next year. And I thought, man, that, that's a growth mindset. That is mm. also um, pretty adult of you. Um, and, and that person the next year was, was a tremendous captain as well. So mm. I like it. I like it. Uh, man, we got a bunch of really good questions. Some of these questions were submitted by other coaches, which I, which I love some, uh, some coming from my end, coming from your end. So this is, yeah. this is pretty cool. Uh, but this one is very interesting because the morning practice thing, right. Yeah. And as coaches are coming up upon basketball season, and especially if you're sharing gym with maybe like the, the volleyball teams finishing up, they're playing in the state tournament. You starting to have basketball practice though, different gym time the morning practices right the 6 a.m practices uh being someone with you know i would consider an expert in performance right positives negatives pros cons of okay there's sleep deprivation here we're getting up these kids are getting up earlier than than they usually do versus hey, we're building character we're building toughness by getting up early and, and doing some things we don't quite want to do at that time. 
Um, are we so are we going to separate morning practices with like morning shoot arounds before a game? You want to separate yeah. those two? Okay, yeah. all right. So let's start with the morning practices. I mean, I, I guess holistically, I'm I'm against it. However, if if you have a why, why are we doing it? And if one of the reasons simply is, hey, one or two of the days a week, I, I want to see your your what is it? Uh, um, how punctual are you? Um, are you showing up? Um, if there is a reason, a specific reason to do it, may, maybe early on we need to get a couple things in um, our offenses, um, some of our transitions, whatever it is, basketball wise or specific to your sport you want done um i'm okay with it however if you continue to do it um to me eventually you're going to lose way more in fatigue sleep the increased risk of uh, injury goes up versus how much you have installed or Mm -hmm how in shape we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get a season's worth of in shape in the preseason. Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, the practices are almost never as intense as a game. You can try to make them be, and the duration can be longer, but the intensity and focus in an actual game um, is really hard to match. Yeah, that's interesting. I think – that there's a so one coach i'll just give an example he i can't remember what coach it was but they do the 6 a.m a bunch of 6 a.m during tryouts because bigger school a lot of kids are going to try out for the team they're going to have to cut and Mm -hmm. so they'll do a lot of the tryout week in the morning because the kids cut themselves the kids that kind of i want to be on the team okay well if you want to be on the team you're going to have to be at you know we got four 6 a.m. practices this week. Yep. Well, by like the third or fourth practice, some of those kids have already quit. So they're like, I'm not doing this, right? If right. we have to keep getting up that early. Um, and so I've heard some uh, some coaches doing that. Um, and then if you have to, but yeah, I, I 100% agree. It, is it going to build some mental toughness? Sure, right? I think there's other ways that you can build mental toughness and I got no problem with some early practices here and there. Um, but the the negatives far outweigh the positives in my opinion as far as long-term you know benefits of sleep and rest and energy and all that stuff uh if you 100 percent know why you're doing it i guess i'm okay or i would tell somebody this can you can you up and down it meaning hey um mon- monday thursday we're going 6 a.m because what does it allow it allows definitely a lot more sleep and recovery yep. those other days mm-hmm. um early on i, I kind of do see it a little bit you want you want to get some things in as long as take your your players you trust the most, ask them, how do you feel? All right, coach, we're really tired. Great. We're not coming in tomorrow morning. I agree. Um, they'll give you an honest opinion. I guarantee you were one of those guys. You know, if somebody said, hey, you know, Steve, you you always give 100% here and there. How are you feeling right now? And how do you think the rest of the guys are? Um, you give an honest answer. Like, coach, honestly, like, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me, but we could use a day off or we could use a – uh, 30 minute practice or great boom um yeah um yeah but if you're a good coach you're at least observing 
is it is it getting us what we want um and then you assess from there again like i said you, you can ask players um but even even the 6 a.m are they can, can they get there at 6 a.m mm-hmm. you know yeah, i guess i guess they would find a ride but like okay um are you deterring some kids simply because it's 6 a.m um but i i agree with that intent i'm okay with that yeah yeah uh so last question this one can go a lot of different directions and then we're going to talk about some some unique kind of exercise uh some drills the goat drill like we're going to get into some interesting stuff to finish out the podcast so this is going to be really good but I want the last question that I have for you that I, or I want you to really just touch on is you've been a part of so many successful programs, right? As far as the uh, being the track team at Eastwood, but also the Eastwood athletic program as a whole. Mm. It's a tremendous success, right? Whether it's football, it's basketball, all, all different sports. And you can also talk about other schools that you've uh, you've observed as well, but What's something that you see those great programs tend to have in common? Um, I, I the first thing I wrote down because when you when you asked me, it's like what, what would I write down? The first thing I wrote down was teach. Any good coaches teach. You can't assume a kid knows it. Maybe you taught it poorly. Reteach it again. Um, you can't assume anything and and the younger they are they need it more um even you constantly had it each level you went up um that's what made you better too um so my i had my one friend uh dr eric magner come and observe me one time he's he's kind of sport pedagogy and he observed coaches and and i said you know just come and watch me coach um what, what was i saying that could be more effective how was our drill? Could I have it be more effective? How about our practice? And I, and I told him, I said, I'm just telling you what's constantly in my mind all the time is teach. So if you see a kid kind of either do something right or wrong, how can you correct? Don't just let it go. Um, and I think that's really important. So great programs are constantly teaching. Um, and then they learn how to teach each other. Then, then your older kids can then teach because they've heard you say it enough and now you've got something huge um that's going on there um i guess the second part was that we're going back to the growth mindset the freedom kind of to be vulnerable of making mistakes taking risks um i think that's huge and if you as a coach are vulnerable number one i'll tell the kids all the time look if i mess up i'm gonna tell you um Two weeks ago, I had to call two two timeouts in a row. Why? Because I called the wrong play. They came over. I was like, it's my fault. I said, <laughs> it's my fault, right? Um, so they, I have vulnerability, you know, and I, I'll let you know when I messed up too. Um, and I think you look incompetent if you are constantly messing up or constantly apologizing. That doesn't happen a whole lot with good coaches, but to let them see you be vulnerable. Same for the kids, right? Own it if you made a mistake, but if you can correct it real quick, fantastic or you might give freedom for somebody else to um going through the same thoughts or process or things that you are why because you were you were vulnerable especially if you're older it's really powerful i think that's what also great programs do um learning about your teammates um 
great programs have a pretty good, strong bond. Why? Because they were vulnerable, because they learned about one another. Um, I, I think that's huge. Um, so, for example, when we do our warm up, you know, we'll have 50 or 60 kids. Um, it's now morphed into sometimes we'll have, you know, so the first day of practice, we'll have seniors be in the front, freshmen or right after them, then maybe like sophomores or juniors. All right. And, and we might have a question of the day. You have to introduce yourself, um, shake their hand. And if you're a freshman, you got to do in front of you and behind you. You know, so number we're trying to learn about our teammates even more. Gotcha. And then you're also trying to realize, oh my gosh, I might have the same similarity or commonalities that some of my older or younger or um, it's also how you get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't have told me last year's team was probably one of the best at it. If you were watching, you couldn't tell who the freshman was versus the senior versus this because they all interacted so well. So break this down a little bit because this is a great exercise for coaches of, of, of any team. So th there's four rows essentially. Yeah. This yeah. Is so warm up. Yeah. So let's 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 take a even a basketball example. Everybody at least might start the practice together. And then obviously you might go kind of your separate ways. Freshman might practice freshman. But if you at least maybe warm up together, typically your seniors will start in the front. And eventually we had like the freshman be in front. So right now, let's say you put your seniors in the front and you say, like you just said, four lines, maybe six lines. Um, just depends on the, on the number you have um, or maybe the number of seniors you have. So you, maybe your seniors are up front. Right after that, I put the freshman in there. Um, right behind them, either sophomore or junior. Um, and, and then honestly, you kind of mix it up as, as it goes on. Maybe the next week will be seniors, sophomores, freshmen, juniors. And the next week might be juniors, sophomores, seniors in the back, fresh, you know, and you try to mix it up. Um, if you watch, like we all do, we all kind of gravitate to the same spot and area. So sometimes you just kind of say, okay, this line, you move over one, that line. And there's, there's multiple ways you can do it. But we may have a question of the day. Hey, what's your favorite food? Um, favorite music that you like to listen to? Favorite, just some general things out there. Um, and then what I find sometimes, I have to bring them back in. They're just having a conversation with this person that's really three or four years difference in age. And it's fantastic. Um, and they can keep talking. Um, so, you know, five minutes or less. But it really allows the guys to get to know one another a little bit. Um, and, and a lot of times your seniors don't know certain freshmen, um, but it's really, it's been empowering, I guess. Um, and it just helps build that total relationship in your total program. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of times your freshmen, unless they're really skilled, never really going to be up and helping a varsity. Um, but it allows those guys, again, a lot of times we always talk about, there was always a, a senior now that had somebody when they were younger that they looked up to because of how they treated them. Um, and it's, like, I think, a great way to do it. So it's a, it's a great way just to do a quick warm-up, your total group. Um, and the seniors end up just coming up with all kinds of different questions. And then the, the coaches bought in too. So if the same question, so again, allowed the coaches to be vulnerable. Like, um, And sometimes the coaches hopped in the middle of it. Right. The question. And then and then we went out and then they started warming up. It's been an effective tool. Um, it's been something pretty simple. There are so many times that I'm going to set up something or I have to come out to late to do something. They've already done it. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're when your athletes are taken over, um, a lot of good things will happen. Yeah. I mean, so so very different, but great 
things in there, like teaching, teaching could be, you know, coaches being very, uh, you know, detail oriented and what they're breaking down the, the team activity kids can then teach each other through some of the exercises, but the breaking the ice, getting to know each other. So some great things. And like, those are examples of what some great programs would do, right? Yeah. Building a culture, you're building a togetherness, a community within, within different age groups and kids, like you said, they may not know each other very well. Um, one thing that came to my mind was very, it's hard for me to put into a word cause it's more like a feeling. Um, and, and you can, you know it when you see it. Um, and there's certain th things that you can tell, be like, all right, that's not like coach. I get to see a lot of programs, right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll go and, and say it's my first time working with a program and I'll just kind of see how the kids are like shooting around, carrying themselves and be like, this is a losing program. They don't carry themselves like winners. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And I, I'm trying to come in here and try to whip them into shape in a couple of days, right? And be like, here's how we, here's how I do things, right? You should try it too, right? And here's how these couple of days are, are going to go. Here's some of my standards, my expectations. And then you go to some other programs. There's a feeling in the gym, right? There's a, an alertness to what's going on. There's a, very much like a, a, a body language and um not uh not seriousness in a bad way like hey we can't have fun or that's not what i mean but there's a priority to improvement and there's a priority of really being able to to work there's going to be a priority of effort in the group right yeah. like so like i say let's say it's a, a simple warm up exercise right if there's 12 players on a team and 11 are warming up and there's one player who's just going through the motions. That's not a winning team. They're one, you got one player doing it. Nobody says anything. Coach doesn't say anything. That's a losing mentality to have. Right. And then you go to these other teams and sure. Every player is a little more invested than the other. We're still talking about high school basketball here, but because of sometimes the culture, because of sometimes the, the history and the tradition within a program it has been passed down correctly. There's a standard that's been set. There are certain principles that, that players become known that become like there's acceptable ways to behave. There's a, a, a level of effort that is going to be required. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to invest. That, that's what I'm going to give. Oh my gosh. Those are so fun teams to work with where you just walk in. I'm like, we're up and running. Like this is yeah. going to be a blast, right? Because I don't have to try to get you to a certain level. You're already there, right? You have enough of a, a standard within your program and an expectation among yourself of what you're going to give, what you're going to sacrifice, the effort that you're going to put in, right? Then now it comes back to all I got to do is teach. This is great. Now right. I can teach and boom, we're off, we're off and running. And, and, and those are always the, you know, the best camps and realistically maybe some of the more important ones are the ones that are the losing programs and you got to give a little more you know oomph and, and a little more of a speech and examples and things like that but those are just some of my my thoughts it's hard to explain in, in a simple word yeah so you're saying for those that listening 
it's easier to teach those skills if you have those other attributes kind of in line. 100%. Yeah. You may not know. It's, it's like if, if you if you own a business, right? And I say it's some computer company and I'm hiring somebody and they're really smart with, with tech. Great. But they're also lazy. They're not dependable, right? They don't show up on time. They're not going to work for me. Right. But you can come in and if I can teach you how to use that computer, but you're earlier on time, Mm -hmm. you're dependable, you're a hard worker, you're going to do something not to, hey, I got it done. You're going to do something to the point like this is solid work. This was was the best that I could do. We're going to be able to train you to, to use that computer. Right. And you're going to be able to get it done. Those are two completely different people. And that second one as a winner. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't, all we had maybe a couple of questions ahead of time. And there's like multiple things here where I have my notes and we've said the same. So you talked about you can go into some place and you, it is a feeling. Right. It's a so feeling. I, it's a feeling. So, so we've, I've said this okay. over and over again. So you have a lot of teams that, um, a lot of teams that might break down, you know what I mean? They have the huddle and they break down your family, you know, on, on three. And I've always said it is a feeling when you say the word family as, as a team, it is a feeling. It is an action, not just something that a word that you broke down with. Um, we've had teams, other sports here, maybe kind of say that in the past. And it's like, it was far from a family. Right. And you're just using the word. I mean, when you really see, if you, like you said, when you watch through a glass, you can see like, wow, they're, they're a family. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an action. It is a feeling that you feel in that team. I've been blessed. And I, I I know I'm talking a lot on this last one. I just, I, I I only like, I just feel like this is something that if people just embrace this and be like, that's just like the type of person I'm going to be and just how I'm going to live. Life will just be better for you. Just any going to your job, coaching your youth program, like going to church, like anything. Right. I was spoiled because the high school that I went to, my coach, I think he coached for like 23 or 24 years. He won almost 80% of his games while he was coaching. I mean, he's in the Michigan Hall of Fame. He, he's awesome. Then I go to college, play for a, a small coach Van Weeren, 600 plus wins. He's in the NCAA D3 coaching Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. So I, I was in, I was in two programs. Winning was in the DNA. Winning was already. Like I didn't bring winning to it. I was immersed in, I had, I jumped in a pool of winning. Right. And it, it was like, I'm just learning. Right. And so I didn't realize until, you know, you go to college and maybe there's some, you know, other players from like this old college, like we're one of the best teams in the nation. Right. But maybe some kids were good players, but on losing programs, oh, we kind of have a little different mentality, but then it kind of becomes the older you get, Right. And then now you start to coach and you get to go to all these different schools and you start to learn, Oh, like that's not how they, they do things. That's not how they carry themselves. They don't take their warm up seriously. They, when they pass during a shooting drill, they don't take that pass seriously. It's the little things. And the, the last thing is there's an edge. There's an edge in the air coach. You can feel it. It's almost to the point that it's uncomfortable. 
right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like when I went, when I was in high school, I'm a senior. I'm one of the best players for my division in the state. But when it would practice start at 315 at about 250 or whatever, I get a little bit nervous to go to practice. I'm the best player in the area. I'm still getting nervous to go to practice. Why? Because I know when I walk in the gym, it's on. Whether you're the best player or the worst player, there's a standard and really it's higher for the best player. Like if you're a good coach, Mm -hmm. you don't get on the worst kids more than the best. You get on the best kids, right? Because if you can get on the best player, what's that going to say about the 12th person on the team? Right. If the, if the coach is pushing and challenging the, the, the best player or two right now, everybody's standard has to lift. And for me to think about just kind of the the feeling of like, we're all here for the same reason. We want to be successful. We, we all want to get better. Right. So the players on the team want to get better. The coach wants us to get better. He may say some things at practice. I don't want to hear he may get on me because I wasn't in the right help rotation when I should have been. I don't want to hear that, but it doesn't mean I don't need to hear it. I need to hear that stuff. Right. And so the level of accountability and and almost just a really high standard uh, for expectations. I don't think you can put it. If you got a, a program in the basement, if you try to bring that like there, I'm not sure. Like they may never, like maybe there's an easing factor to it, but in my experience in how, and in high school and in college with the programs and the levels that, that we were playing at, it was just an extremely high level of expectation and standard mm-hmm. that made you almost nervous and a little uncomfortable, but in a good way. Does that make sense? I, oh, I know I've repeated yeah. myself a bunch of times. No, no, no. And, and I, I think I texted you and said, look, this podcast is way better when you're giving your expert opinion because you have just so, so much information about it. It can't just be one person. It has to be a good conversation. And <laughs> you giving your examples makes all of us uh, that much better as well. But no, I, can I, uh, was the standard, um, back to the growth mindset, if we didn't win, um, was winning the ultimate thing or was it just trying to achieve the standard like the humility part we know we're good here but it's that constant growth to get better and try to reach perfection is that what you do it sounds like you were on teams that tried to reach that and again there's might be games we lost but why did we lose and let's try to then make it better for next time versus the end result the end result became great because you always always chased perfection does that make sense uh, well, let me, let me say this. And then maybe this answers your question. The, the level of attention to detail during practice yeah, and the expectation of the effort that was given was much more of a, um, of something that you really had to like lock in and give than the games that came twice a week. Awesome. Um, the, so, I mean, that's just how I, I think of it. Like the, the games, a lot of time were like, there's nothing I'm going to see in this game that we haven't like done or harder during practice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that was, 
for the most part, that's great. But when you're 16, 17, 18, whatever it is, I'm not going to lie. There were games where we took our foot off the gas. Walk in, we're, we're better than this team. And we, we lost a, a couple games here and there when I was in high school too. And majority of them, we, we probably shouldn't have. I mean, my, my, we went 18 and two, 19 and one, 18 and two. Those, those were the regular season records. My, my full three seasons on varsity. Some of those games, like better team should have lost, but there were a couple games in there. We didn't treat those games. And this sounds crazy to most coaches listening because every coach listening is like, you get up for the game, blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, the requirements for our practices were almost always higher than the games. And so when the games came around, unfortunately, there was a little bit of like, we might be more likely to let our foot off the gas. Right. The coach ain't going to make us run a bunch of sprints. If yeah. I turn this ball over, yeah. it's just going to be the other team's ball. Right. But we're going to have like a whole speech and some repercussions possibly at practice. Right. So, all right. How. All right. So instead of maybe the fear of running because we didn't execute or, or maybe that's a bad, maybe that's a bad, no, no, but I'm like, saying, but, but, you know, just, it's just, yeah. You know, spitball. Are there, and I guess I would, here's how I would. So again, let's say we've, we've had meets that didn't have nearly as many of the guys we did or, didn't have certain events that they scored at all. So how are you able to still get to a really good level? And I think for you, if, if it's basketball, there are three to five things we really want to try to accomplish in this game. Don't care about their skill level. This is what we're trying to do to set something up later. So again, I think there's a growth mindset in those games, knowing that, okay, we should beat this team. But if let's let's really focus on these couple things because this could help us three weeks later when we play so and so. I think that's a growth mindset, you know. So again, so I would say like, hey, there's there's some things we still want to accomplish. So if, if let me give you an eight hundred for example, instead of we're just going to win the eight hundred versus a kid you're already fifteen seconds better than that to make you better, I want to see you reach the six hundred at this time. I don't I don't I don't care what the next two hundred looks like. I'm pretty sure you're still going to win. So our goal is to get to the 600 this time. So your goal in a game would be, hey, we want to see this, 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 and this happen. I don't care if you fail because we're going to learn from it and we'll get better down the road. Um, I don't know. I guess that's a thought for maybe coaches out there. Ways you can make those games still feel like they have a high value because you're trying to accomplish something different besides just winning. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, what, what have you been working on in practice? That's been a yeah. big point of emphasis. Were you able to carry those things out throughout the course of the game, you know, win, win or lose. And, and maybe yeah. you did carry those things out and you still lost other right. teams are better. All right. Well, I, I can go back in the locker room and, and still say, Hey, we're growing. Like we're getting better. These, these yeah. are things we're working on. We did, we did better. You were seeing growth, you know, let, let's keep moving. We're going to be even better next week and two weeks down the road. Yeah. Um, I thought I had one more. Let's go back to when you when you talked about the one kid maybe in the warm-up that wasn't, you know, um, giving his all. Um, this is something I think I've learned over the years. My 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 years ago self would have probably just ripped them um, or got on them. They're not giving effort. Um, now in the past, I found a better way to either motivate them or just now I'll ask the question like, hey, man, are you all right? Yeah. 
Um, cause maybe they're not, maybe right. there's something on their mind. Maybe something happened home. Um, I did that one time. The kid wasn't really kind of warming up. Wasn't didn't have a great day. And I held back and I waited till after the meet. And I said, Hey man, are, are you okay? Um, cause you just didn't quite have it today or you weren't really warming up. And, and he just stopped and said, my, my dad got some bad results this week. And I'm glad I, I was glad I asked the question because, um, so sometimes that also, if it's a teammate, especially, um, so if you're a player listening rather than just quickly getting on them, um, and maybe they deserved it. Maybe that's, that's, but maybe there's something on their mind, maybe something happened and you showing that little bit of empathy showed you cared. And all of a sudden they're like, no, I appreciate you. You're concerned. I'll I'll get it together. Um, you know, something like that sometimes is, is a decent way that's what I wrote down that's a great point because I think as coaches it's our job to know know our players yeah and you know if you see like the example you just gave that kid's been warming up a certain way and then all of a sudden he shows up one day something's off yeah my reaction is not going to be to get pissed at him right I'll be like this is unusual right right? so that's a it's it's very important to be able to differentiate that compared to there's a theme here that isn't productive to be in theme, that's a great word theme yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are these are different things and that's you know you, you that that's what i'm talking about like you walk in a gym is much more of a feel right than yeah. like something seems a little bit off yeah. like, um and, and i think like even that's something that it, you know, if you've been in enough gyms or workouts or something like that, like you can usually like tell with it's like a vibe, then like a kid's acting a little unusual. Like usually that kid, like I'm not addressing that kid. Like the, it's, it's different. If that, yeah. makes, if that makes sense. I mean, and, and so back to the guys getting to know each other better, coaches getting, other, when you build relationships as a coach with your players or player to player, um, and they kind of know they have that family feel, you know, you love them in the last several years, since I've changed winning becomes even more fun and special. Oh. Um, and I think, I think that's, if you emphasize that, man, when you do win and you do have those moments, wow, they're that much more special. Mm-hmm. 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 The care factor, uh, huge, the, the communication, I mean, what's, you know, the past 20 some years what's what's some of the most fun you've had with a team and why um and, and sometimes well obviously winning a state title helps um but i remember we didn't win the one year we scored as many points as we did the year we won but we got third um but it was so we, it was so much fun we took multiple relays down so there was a lot of people and we just had so much fun and we just accomplished things that we didn't quite think we could, but man, it was one of the most invested teams of group of people together. Um, so, so, you know, and as teams and basketball teams win, it's another week, another couple of days that you get to be together. That became more special than even like, Hey, we're going to the state meet. It's like, it's another week. You get to go out to dinner with these guys. You get to laugh with them. Um, it was those type of things that made things special. And I guess for me now it's, celebrating improvement or celebrating somebody that did something that, that you have been working on them with, or they've been working on, um, man, that just, it's such a euphoric feel. 
yeah. um, for you as a coach and, and them as well. If you, and again, that's the growth mindset. You're celebrating those things um, and let and letting them know, I guess we've worked hard at this, that you have value to the team. Even if you don't score a lot of points, even if you don't do those couple minutes you have, have, have a ton of value to the team and celebrating that as well. Um, those have been probably some of my, most fun moments again it just makes the winning more special because you're celebrating it together um but if you really value let me give you an example at the so my daughter ended up placing in the state last year okay that part is more about her um to me after one of the meets the the regional meet or something like that the minute she walked off she shook every official's hand it was how she treated the other athletes um a long time ago i had one of our athletes who was a pop-off in a four by four state meet he walks over and hands a kid a baton because the, the kid was just thinking about other things he didn't have a baton and i was like you were that that much wherewithal to just go over and give this other kid uh, it was those things that i now really see um and then the winning part is kind of more about them um, and you get to share it a little bit together. But when you value that, again, that, that's allowed me to have a growth mindset of those things are important as well. And when you tell a kid that and you celebrate that, man, they, they understand that as well. Mm -hmm. um, oh, let me give you a little, all those coaches out there. So this is what we've also done track wise with kind of our staff. So every meet, especially if they're a big meet, we have a boy or girl athlete of the meet that we just kind of name. And if somebody takes yours, you can kind of say, hey, that would have been mine, but then I switch it up. And then we have a moment of the meet, something in the meet that, that captures you. Um, and most of these are feelings. Most of these were one time um, an older guy had kind of fallen and two of our athletes ran over to help this guy up and do it. Those things that has been so empowering for like our staff. And sometimes we'll tell the kids that like, Hey, you were my moment of the meet by watching you do this and have nothing to do with like what place they were, what they actually did. Um, it, it, it made you invest in some other things besides just stats or maybe just the win. Um, Hey, I watched is this you a coaches thing, or is this like, would you say athlete of the meet uh, moment of the meet? Is this like explain a little more of like, is this a, are you communicating all these to the players or it's just uh, like a personal thing to you? All right. Or... So initially it was just coaches. Okay. Right. And then it is morphed that I, that sometimes we'll tell a kid, um, sometimes a, a coach will tell that kid like, Hey, you're going to be my moment of the meet. And they're not sure quite what it is. And then you just quickly explain it and you explain to them why, or sometimes it's like we talked about it on the weekend. And then that next Monday I might tell them. Uh, all the coaches don't necessarily do that. We definitely tell each other. Um, so it's that's cool. Well, you you might have a throws coach that over the throws they saw something that you didn't get over to today because you were coaching over there. Maybe your assistant coach saw something because you were talking with two players um, basketball wise, but they saw something else and they were able to explain what their moment was that you didn't see, but like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't see that. It's fantastic. You know, and then, then, then you maybe can relate that to the player yeah. or have that coach. You're empowering that coach to now go and talk to that kid. Um, especially if they're younger coaches, this is a great way to get them to learn. There's more about coaching than just X's and O's. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it's a great way to build. And it also tells the, the kids, these are the other things we value. 
Um, and, and because we as coaches, we talk about these um, type of things. It's, it's been a really, it's been one of my most fun things to do. And if, if a coach can't come over to like your house where they have to text it um, or they have to at least, and, and it's been, some have been just fantastic. Some things you don't see at all. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that is unbelievable. I'm so glad you saw that and told us that it's, it's been really neat. Um, and it, it can be any sport, anything you see. That's awesome. That, that is a really, if I was coaching the team right now, I think I'd do that with my staff. Yeah, you have to. Um, it, it makes your staff closer. It makes them, it makes them look for other things Yeah. besides just sexes and O's. Um, and I guess the small empowering part too, again, is, is then telling that kid, I mean, you just built that kid up like, Hey, um, oh, you were my moment of the meet. I saw you do this. And they're like, you saw that? Like, yeah, yeah. It meant a lot. You know, um, I don't know. It's been really cool. You're speaking life into that kid. Yeah. You're speaking life into that kid. You're, you're, though that quick sentence or two right i mean i'm trying not to try to get over magic but over dramatic but like i could change a life that, that could Absolutely. change like the direction right depending on what you say what you see like you may say something to a kid that maybe other people have thought and they hadn't said hadn't said but you may say something to a kid that nobody's ever said that to him before right um and I'm not talking about like gassing a kid up and just being like, you're the what greatest, you know, th thing ever. But that's fake. That's not genuine. It's genuine. Yes. Yeah. Right. There's, there's something, I guess what I'm getting at is there's kids that we coach where we see things in them that they don't see within themselves. Well, and if we are able to point that out to them. You can change a life. Right. You you can change a trajectory for an athlete because of that. Right. Um, it's I did a little short solo podcast a, a week or two ago, and I, I it was just on the one topic of uh, finding and celebrating those that believe in you. Mm -hmm. And I talked about my college coach. And after uh, two or three years playing at Hope, he told me I'd be good enough to play basketball overseas. He's like, you'd be that good. You could do that someday. He spoke, he spoke something into me that I didn't know. I didn't think I could do myself. It didn't even cross my mind. Right. I, I was like, that's not for me. Like I chose to go here because it was a, a great fit basketball wise and my degree and the group of guys, but, but he spoke something into me and I was like, Oh, it's on. You think I can do this? All right. I got, I got to, you just raised the, the level of expectation that I have for myself. Right. Because you told me that you believe in me and there's something that you think I can do. And then I went out and did it. Right. I don't know if that happens without him. You know, there's little, there's things like that that make a, a lifelong impact. And you and a lot of times, ladies and gentlemen, we don't say it. We see something in somebody. Yeah, maybe I should say that. And we don't say it. Don't don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. Right. Moving up. <laughs> Regret. Um Yes. And I, I've used this example a long time ago. I remember I was at a doctor's office. Guy walked in with a Vietnam hat. Um, you know, I was going to just kind of walk over and, and thank him for his service. Um, I, I paused. I waited. I didn't do it. He went back in. All right. And I thought, you idiot. What, what did you why did you not go? Over? It's what you mm -hmm. wanted to do. And somehow when we went back out, 
he was out there. I didn't miss my moment the second time. You know what I mean? So um, when you talked about that, one of the phrases I really like is, and this, this can be for older guys, plant trees you'll never see grow. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You just impacted maybe that kid or maybe an older person built a kid up that, again, you're now graduated, but three years from now, that person remembers you and you pouring into them as a junior or senior, and they're that much better. But you planted some stuff into that kid that you didn't necessarily see grow unless you came back to watch them. I think that was powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been so good. We're Yeah. Look, you, we were sharing, is it okay if we keep going or we need to come oh, back? Oh yeah. No, good? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Right. I want to dig into some like athletic development yeah. exercises, like some different types of, of things. And, and you've talked about uh, even as we were, I was talking about sharing with you some of the injuries that I've had mm-hmm. and you were talking about, Hey, it's not just like the physical therapy, but there's a mental aspect that can allow you to perform and, and even heal. And we've talked in previous podcasts about uh, RPR, reflexive performance reset, and the value of that. Uh, so I'm going to just hand this whole podcast over to you and just preach to us for a little bit. And and maybe I'll poke a question here and there to kind of um, yeah ask some more details. Where do you want to take this first? That was part one of two of our interview with Brian Sabo of Eastwood Schools. In our second episode, we really dig into the physical side, strength and conditioning, athletic development, and not only that, but the mental and how the mind comes into play when it comes to our actual athletic performance and how we can start to tie all of these together to get the most out of our athletes in season and off. So thank you for listening to part one. Make sure you come back and listen to part two. Get after today.